Hey, James here. Before we get started this week, I wanted to talk to you about our friends at the Good Taste Podcast. Do you want to have good taste? If so, then we have the podcast for you. The new podcast, Good Taste, features hosts Jacob and Taylor as your pod docents, discussing their favorite parts of culture ranging from TV, music, and movies to sports, apps, and food. They also discuss listener suggestions and go over the hottest news in pop culture. The show is guaranteed to make you the coolest person at the office. Listen in every other Friday wherever podcasts are found. Get good taste now. You're a part-time love friend, full-time friend. The monkey on your back is so, the latest trend. I was I really upset I had to actually like sit next to someone. And I was trying to scare him away by laughing, and it didn't work. Um, <laughs> I feel like there probably could have been a better solution, but... What was the podcast? Uh, it's called uh, Plumbing the Death Star. Okay, I don't know that one. Because this is a mostly comedy podcast, oh, but I don't know that one. It's a bunch of Australian guys. And, like, they take different, like, like fictional movies. Like, they'll take, like, uh, Harry Potter, and they'll kind of, like, say, like, is Hogwarts actually a good place to go to school? And they'll, like, discuss it. And, like... The one I, was, I love that. Yeah. Uh, I found it because of Willy Wonka last week. Um, and they were like, is Willy Wonka a good businessman? Really? Man? Yeah. Oh. Um, but the main that one... That sounds kind of like a crap <laughs> And, oh man. I could talk, <laughs> I could talk about being <laughs> May now for hours. Um... <laughs> But Juno. Yes, Juno. Juno. Um, so, what is your uh, relationship with this movie? How do um, you feel about it at all? I, so, I kind of felt guilty about loving Juno when it first came out because, like, it kind of. Okay, thanks. Yeah, it seemed kind of scandalous. And it seemed like something that, like, I wouldn't have, like, it's it didn't feel like something I should have liked, even though I did. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember when Juno came out, I was just thinking this as I was booting up. Um, it kind of seemed like teen pregnancy was sort of all the rage. Because um, Juno came out and then yeah. Secret Life of an American Teenager came out. Um, and I really liked Juno, though. I never watched Secret Life of an American Teenager. Um. Don't. It's, it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> it's, it's bad. Like, it's known for being bad. Like, don't even, okay. don't touch that one. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I really liked Juno, and, like, I think that, like, when I was a little, when I was, like, in eighth grader and, like, a metalhead when this came out, like, musically, it kind of introduced me a little bit more to, like, indie rock and stuff and folk stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, what's your yeah. relationship with Juno? Well, Juno probably came out 
perfect time for me because I was 12, 13, and I, it kind of, it was like the first movie that I seen to like come in theaters that incorporated like cutesy folk music, and I was really into that. Okay. Um, so like, but I know, I know that in a timeline where Juno came out now, and I saw it for the first time now, I would not have loved it as much as I did in middle school. Yeah, I don't. And I did love middle school. <laughs> like I was, re- I really loved it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I rewatched it over the weekend, and like it was still good, but it was definitely something that like I thought was a little bit more questionable now. Um, although I, re- it would not have been made. Yeah, and okay. I really liked and appreciated the music more, though, just because. Um, what was it? I just read um, Meet Me in the Bathroom, which is New York indie rock in the early 2000s. So, like, there was a lot of stuff with Kimya Dawson and the Moldy Peaches in there. So, like, I had mm-hmm. a more, like, full understanding of that and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that is not that I was introduced to Kimya Dawson, but it was when I, it was like right when I was, like, in that period of my life where I was becoming super into Kimmy Dawson. <laughs> That's like the kind of the kind of is like I, I loved like like cutesy shit, but she would also write really sad shit. Right. <laughs> like I love that. I thought she was like so real and so cool. Still love, but I think it was it was very much like at a point where I loved like I would not have loved her as much it had just been introduced to her now it was very flattering to my view when I was 12 years old. Um, and I remember, I actually remember, um, I don't know if it still is, but like I looked up Mia Dawson and her, it, for a while was that fucking Juno lady. Wait, hold on. You looked is, up what? I looked up Kimia Dawson on Twitter and her for a while was, uh, that fucking Juno lady. I don't think it's that anymore. Oh, man. But... That's funny. But I remember seeing that. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, she is known. Yeah. I, I guess I didn't think of it that way. But, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, that fucking Juno lady. Because that, like, that was very much, like a Kimia-led soundtrack. Like, well, yeah. I mean, they had other people in there. Like, there were, there were more than two Kimia Dawson songs oh, in that album, like and I don't know if any other movie yeah. did that. <laughs> yeah, like, like four. Um, so, I guess, out there, I don't know, like, it's not for everyone. I know that. Right, but I think Kimia Dawson really kind of sets the tone for the movie, too, especially just sort of, like, because she writes these sort of weird, poetic, yet kind of irreverent lyrics. And, like, that's sort of the way Juno and her friends talk, too. Yeah, it's... she. That's true. Like, Kimia Dawson writes songs kind of like the way Diablo Cody writes movies. (laughs) Like, there are all these, like, little, like, uh, I call them Junoisms. Like, like, these kind of sometimes they're like a clever way to use words but sometimes it's just like say that like in real life talk that um like it, it, Kimmy Dawson I think 
I, I think what they were going for was trying to put together music that the main character probably listens to and really loves. Say that one more time. I think they're, they, what I feel like what they were going for was trying to collect music that the main character would have listened to. That was a thing that, um, when I was doing a little bit of research, um, it said Ellen Page actually recommended that um, she made the suggestion that Juno would be a fan of Kimya Dawson and the Moldy Peaches and things like that. So that that's probably the case. And I I don't know that much about Ellen Page, but I I get the sense be a little like Juno. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just it seems like a very natural performance, like just yeah. the way she talks to people. Yeah, I do think uh, I do think a lot of also, uh, in Ellen Page's performance of Juno, I think her and Michael Sarah had two really strong performances just because generally, aside from sort of like the weird lingo, I felt like they mostly kind of talked and acted like kids, like teenagers. Yeah, I think that's what I appreciate about this movie is that even though, I mean, people like argue that it romanticizes pregnant, teen pregnancy. First of all, I don't think it does at all. I think it does the opposite of that. But uh, I, I think like, well, okay. Like, I, I'll disagree <laughs> I a little bit. I understand the argument for both. <laughs> um, no, I, I do think it, I don't think it necessarily is like a really romantic view of teen pregnancy, but I think it's sort of a... Uh, it's sort of a sim- it's a simplified view of how simple a teen pre- of it kind of simplifies the idea of teen pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah, like well, okay. I I agree. Like I think it it rushes through it like it's I think it's probably a lot more I've never been a teen right. pregnant. <laughs> but um, but, um I imagine it's a lot more like difficult than it was there i guess well right. i think because juno's just like the type of person who swallows her feelings that like right. that's just the kind of experience she's gonna have um when if she gets pregnant at, at 16 but uh i don't know like i think i think it does a good job not making it seem like a fun time right because like it is clear it's clearly like a difficult thing yeah um it's just the character dealing with it is just very like nonchalant about everything but she does like you know clearly show some emotional attachment to this situation and is clearly very upset about it at some point it's just like she hides it well um but that's what i love at this reason that it's specific to this type of person. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, what were you saying before, or, or was that what you were getting at before with um, before teen pregnancy? <laughs> oh yeah, I I think what I like about it is that the when you're saying that they talk like real kids in a way, like they talk like the specific type of real kid. Yeah, <laughs> like. <laughs> And I like that. I like that they get their their tale told in teen pregnancy because I feel like when people do stories about teen pregnancy, it's just like a girl crying for two hours <laughs> and fighting with her boyfriend. It's say that one. I don't know. Like that. I it, 
feel like usually when they do teen pregnancy in, in Mia, it's like very melodramatic and there's yeah. just a lot of crying. And I like that they did it with someone who is a little bit more, not old, but like very uh, not in touch with her feelings and like yeah. wants to just like, eh, like what, like let's get this stuff. Like I like that they I, represent a person in the story. Sorry, I say that last part. One. I think she plays it well. Oh. Like, I, I think she plays it well. Like, I like that they represent that type of person okay. in this story. Her and Michael. Yeah. And I, I do like the movie. I'm not, I don't, even though I do think that it creates, it creates a certain image of teen pregnancy. I, I don't fault it for that. And I do like that it is like, it, like an indie comedy as opposed to like, yeah, sort of being like, any episode of Teen Mom I've ever watched. We're 16 and pregnant. That came out at this time, too. Shit. Yeah. Oh, actually, I did hear that since that, like, period of time where, like, teen pregnancy was, like, a thing in the media, it's gone way down statistically, like, in real life. I believe that. I think, so maybe that is Because people were seeing all these shows and, like, I don't want to deal with that. Uh, that's true probably hopefully um yeah and i think so maybe it did yeah and i think you are right also just because any person i know that's kind of had a that had a teen pregnancy or like even just had like a really young pregnancy like right out of college or Mm -hmm. something like that it doesn't necessarily seem like the happiest or healthiest environment. Um, you know, I've just seen, a, uh, I don't know. I've been, uh, I've been having like these weird, like epiphanies because someone that I used to hook up with is actually pregnant now. Like, Oh my God. I always get scared when someone under 25 is pregnant. Oh, yeah. I'm like, get away from me. <laughs> I don't like it. She might actually be 25 but I don't know. Um, but like, it's one of those things that I've been thinking a lot. And now I'm just like, Oh my God, that could have been my baby. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like, I think, cause I think like maybe, maybe in, in a world where like this Juno thing happened to me, I would react to it the way she did. More uh, than, <laughs> not, that, not that I'm as cool as her. Cause I'm not, but <laughs> But um, I feel like I would try to be more lighter in this type of situation. True. I also, I think what was kind of funny, too, is, you know, she did originally go for the abortion and then just kind of, like, got freaked out there. And that kind of reminded me of, like, my Catholic school experiences of, like, them lecturing us about abortion. And kind of how I felt after hearing the lecture even though I'd yeah, never I never mean, need to get it. Well, I like that, like, um, the reason she decided... Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> but I like that the reason she decided uh, not to... wasn't the playing moral issue. It was just because she just got kind of grossed out. Yeah. Like, just in the moment. She was like, ah, She's I don't like, want to do that. It has fingernails. It smells weird. <laughs> like, I like it wasn't like she went to church and then thought of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that yeah, I don't. I don't know what. 
I didn't like that her and Bleeker ended up together in the end. If that's... Yeah, I I kind of... This seems more like the... Ty- I, it, I don't know if this is true, but that did seem kind of tacked on. Like, I feel like yeah. this movie should have ended with them just being like, let's be friends, and then yeah. they never talked again. But... Because <laughs> um, that just seems like it would fit better. Yeah. But... I don't know. I mean, it was still wide. I feel like maybe they were pressured to put in like that type of yeah. ending. I although I have no idea. Like I don't know what the original cut of this movie right. is, but it's kind of random. And to it me. is like a rom com, you know. Yeah, yeah. Sort it's a of. it's a rom com. <laughs> um, it's a rom and it's a com. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess it's a rom com. <laughs> it's also a breakup movie with uh, what's his name. Jennifer Garner and um, Jason Bateman. That's Jason Bateman, right? True. Um, yep, that's Jason Bateman. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I guess kind of in terms of like weird relationships in the movie, there was a lot of weird age differences too, kind of upon rewatching it, because there was all there was the student that wanted to fuck teachers. He definitely wanted to bang Juno. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, like, I don't know, the whole thing was weird. That was a thing that caught my attention rewatching. Sorry, you sorry, you cut out. That was a thing that kind of caught my attention recently, just sort of, like, like, Jason Bateman wanting to... It didn't even seem like he wanted to, like, sleep with Juno. It seemed like he wanted to, like, pursue a relationship with Juno, which was really creepy. Yeah, I didn't didn't think about it in that way as a naive, like, 13-year-old. But, like, yeah, you're right. Like, looking back on it, like, their relationship was kind of not okay. (laughs) But, But, I mean, I don't... I don't see it as like a pedophilic thing, but I see it as more like he was lonely and just like wanted a friend. Right. Well, that was, kind of I don't like, know. Like it, it just, I feel like that was kind of my reading of it when I was like, when I was younger, just because like, I guess I was seeing the movie more through like Juno's lens, you know, just, yeah. like she's because she, I do think really just wanted a pal. Um, yeah. And, like, he was, and, like, I guess now, I don't know, the girl that is pregnant now is just getting to my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, I don't know. And I, I, maybe it's just rewatching it with, like, a more mature eye. And, like, at one point, like, I forget what he says. He says something like, uh... Like, what do you come over here expecting? Something along those lines. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's unclear like what their relationship what either of them necessarily wants out of that relationship. Yeah. Like I mean I en- I enjoy their their chemistry on screen, like right. no, it's, no, it's like, definitely think, one of those but, things. But that... I yeah, I kind of mm-hmm. go ahead. Sorry, what were you saying? Oh, no, I was going to say, like, it's definitely one of those things, especially, like, at the beginning, like, they do have a good buddy-buddy chemistry when they are buddy-buddy, but then 
it kind of changes to romantic when she pops on Mop the Hoople and they start slow dancing. And... Yeah, once you put on Mop the Hoople, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's a move. Um, but no, I, yeah, I mean, I, I still kind of see it like not so romantic. But at the same time, like it's it's hard to because I think because it's hard to see his character as predatory, but like it is kind of inherently predatory. Yeah, be- just because of the age difference. Right, and uh, excuse me, maybe it is just like maybe that's just kind of like the way I want to see it, just with everything that like has happened over the past three weeks with like yeah, you know, <laughs> Roy Moore and Louis C.K. and. Right. Uh, Jesse Lacey and fucking everyone. Um, Literally everyone. <laughs> We're not going to have any left. I know. <laughs> by the end of this. Except Danny DeVito. He'll be okay, <laughs> I hope. Probably. Um, uh, I was working on a joke about that as I was driving. Because I've seen every stand-up, every amateur stand-up comic in New York try it, and it doesn't work. Um um but yeah so maybe that is why i'm kind of reading it as predatory um because i do think like in the early scenes when like they're just kind of like talking about music and like watching horror movies and shit like that like that's all kind of like it is sort of weird that he's like yeah i want to like hang out with 16 year old but like at the same time when I was 16, there were definitely, like, 40-year-olds that I wanted to hang out with. Yeah, like, I I think I, when I was younger, I kind of saw it as, like, they have the same interests. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so, like, naturally, like, they're going to hang out. But, like, I didn't, I mean, now, you're right. Like, I'm seeing now, like, if this plot on paper to me now, I would be like, no, like, don't do that. Right. I, I would feel like very, like, not comfortable. But I think, I think because they're, they're good actors and like, they're good at making it not seem so predatory that it doesn't seem so predatory. It's just on paper, it really feels like it is. Yeah. Just because of the age difference. Yeah. What else? Uh, the other thing I guess I will say in favor it doesn't necessarily seem like he's just leaving his wife for Juno necessarily. It does seem like the whole movie, he does sort of play it in a sense that they are in an unhappy marriage. We're not like totally unhappy, but sort of loveless. Yeah. It's, it's sort of, it doesn't seem like, Hmm. Yeah, I, it doesn't seem like they're in like a violent relationship or anything. Right. It's just they just seem kind of stale and like bored. Right. And even from the and first... just generally annoyed with each other in very little ways. Yeah. Sorry, what? Even from the first scene where they're doing like the baby interview talk, and like uh, when he's like listing off the things that like he's excited about being a father for, like it really kind of seems like someone that's like, he's doing it because he kind of wants it, but it's not like the thing that he really wants. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think him and Jennifer Garner are good at sort of playing those opposites of each other just because like 
you can tell she really wants the baby, and you can tell he's yeah. sort of on the fence about it. Yeah, like, I, I like that it's it's a very real, like, I never got the sense that they hate each other. It's just yeah. they want different things. And I like that. Like, I think it's, yeah. it's pretty, they do that plot well, because I don't feel like, like, one's right and one's wrong. It, you know, I, I feel it's just a matter of timing, and they just yeah. aren't on the same page yeah. in that. And they're not, maybe not necessarily right for each other. Yeah, and that's fine. Like, I, I think that's really common and probably underrepresented in film. Yeah. Like, I, like I, I feel like they, it's just, it's not like um, they're fighting and it's not like a big cinematic, like, terrible relationship. Right. They're, it's just kind of life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's good. What else was there? I'm trying to think. There were like, there was so much going on in this that I thought what's his name's character. There was some what? Uh, there was something else. It's funny because like I keep saying I should like write notes of like talking points that I know that I want to talk to talk about like as I'm watching the movie and then I never do. Um, but um. It's okay, I should do that too. <laughs> um, what was the other one? Um, Rain Wilson's I, I liked Rain Wilson's character a lot. Um Yeah. I liked Rain Wilson a lot. I liked um I liked the relationship with Juno and her stepmother. Yeah, I I, I appreciate that Juno's family was like, <laughs> yeah. like kind of a broken family, but in like, I don't know. I, I feel like, uh, was it that she gets sent a cactus every year by yeah. her biological mom? Yeah. Like I, I kind of, I enjoyed that, but like her, it's not that her mom is like dead or missing. It's, it's her mom just left, yeah. which, which is kind of, you know, that's happens all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that's you know that explains why she's so like uh hard about relationships and love yeah and i thought um i thought her and the stepmother you could tell like this was a thing i remember i forget where i'd heard it but it was like a real life thing where someone was talking about um a mother who had um adopted a child but then got pregnant later and had uh her own biological child and they talked about, like, the differences that the mother treated the two children with. And I think with mm-hmm. her and the stepmother, you could see the stepmother cares about Juno a lot, but maybe doesn't necessarily, like, love Juno the way a mother does. That's interesting. I didn't think about that. Because that's, like, that's a good um, kind of subtle way to, like, uh, scare Juno a little bit because she's giving a baby to people who she wants to love it. And but in the back of her mind, she'll always think like, they'll never really like Careful. love this kid the way they would their own biological kid, which isn't true, obviously, right. but like, that's just, it's just that kind of idea is, is always it's like in the back of her mind. About, yeah. Um, yeah. 
Um, and another thing just from Juno's home, home life. This was the only thing that really bothered me about it is, uh, the other daughter's name is Liberty Bell. Um, and neither of the parents seemed like the type of parents that would name their daughter Liberty Bell. Yeah, I feel like that was just Diablo <laughs> Cody. Like, like, what can I, <laughs> like, how do I, like, make this more Her name will be Liberty Bell. <laughs> or even Juno. Like, that's a pretty, like, it just seems like something Diablo Cody was just bored and she didn't know what to name it when she was writing the script. Um, Juno, I don't think, is such a weird name, though. No, it's not so. It's not as weird as Liberty Bell, but it's uncommon. I yeah. don't know anyone named Juno. Like you, it's still like a quirky thing named. Yeah, you wouldn't flinch though at someone named Juno. I think you would at someone named Liberty Bell. <laughs> Even just Liberty, I've yeah. never heard of anyone named that. To be fair, I do think but Liberty that, Bell. I think if my name was Liberty Bell. At this age, I'd start going by either Libby or Belle. Yeah, One and she probably will. <laughs> it's been it's been ten years, so maybe. Because I would have trouble introducing myself as I'm Liberty Belle. Um. But yeah. Uh, Did it say why? Like why they named their kid Liberty Belle? I don't remember. No, they do say why. Uh, he named her Juno. But they don't say why the other is Liberty Bell. Because that one requires more explanation. But like, <laughs> I think they were kind of trying to go for like a hippie parents sort of thing. And like just didn't work out. Yeah. Um, uh, because, um, oh God, what's the actor's name? I keep wanting to say Jonah Jameson. Um, but I know that... Wait, who? Uh, who plays the dad? What's his name? Oh, um... Oh, J.K. Simmons. <laughs> J.K. Simmons. I, I was listening to the Spider-Man thing before, so I keep thinking J. Jonah Jameson. Um, <laughs> Close, like, similar yeah. type of name. And I knew it was similar. Um, yeah, J.K. Simmons kind of just sort of seems like... He seems like a... Like a laid back, but sort of like blue collar, like rough around the edges sort of dad, generally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the mom sort of seems like a soccer mom. Yeah. I I remember this was like a big controversial thing when this movie came out. Not like the most controversial thing, because this movie had a lot of <laughs> But like, I remember people took issue with like how chill the parents were about oh yeah juno getting pregnant i don't think they were that chill but but you know like they didn't like scream and like send her away right. you know they which weren't... i think people think is the natural reaction right. and they don't necessarily seem like the type of parents that would like lose their shit and yeah i liked the moment right after she told them they were pregnant and uh, she told them uh, she was pregnant, and uh, the mom was like, well, I figured it was this, but I didn't want it to be. <laughs> and uh, like, J.K. Simmons... They're just, honest. They're yeah. real. <laughs> and he's just like, I'm going to go punch Polly Bleeker in the dick. 
And then he he had the chance, and he didn't. Yeah. Fucking J.K. Simmons. <laughs> Not a man of his J.K. Own. I think J.K. Simmons would have. Probably. I've only seen him in a few things. Whiplash? I didn't see his Whiplash. His character in Whiplash would have been Polly Bleaker in the day. That's what I've heard. I didn't see Whiplash. <laughs> oh, you should see Whiplash. <laughs> Whiplash would probably be on the list, right? Is it? Yeah, it, that's oh. music related. <laughs> Although I don't know anything about like jazz. Oh, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> jazz drums. Um, but yeah. Uh, what else? Going back to music, I guess, a little bit, besides just Kimya Dawson, I thought that, like, I thought that it was a good mix of, like, sort of alt-rock, like, light alt-rock, nothing too extreme, but, like, having Jason Bateman be super into, like, Sonic Youth and, uh, digging Mott the Hoople, um... Yeah. I thought it was kind of real. I thought it was a really sort of real moment when um, he was talking about playing with his band back in the day. And he said, uh, oh, yeah, like 1993 was the best time for punk. And Juno was like, no, it was like the early 70s. And then, you know, it really makes sense that him kind of being older and having lived through a certain time period is like, this was awesome. It was great. And I know that. And her being 16, just sort of being like, no, this time that like, I can only sort of think about and romanticize was the best time for punk. Yeah. And like on paper, she is probably correct, oh, no, yeah. but I don't know. <laughs> like, like I, but it's funny. Cause like she, everything she knows she did all the research because she's younger right. so she didn't live through any of it but because he was there you know right and i think felt closer with that yeah and i think kind of just being a little bit older i guess like you know my dad will always talk about like when he was in the 70s being the best time for rock and things like that but now i couldn't give a shit about the eagles or aerosmith or whatever and i'm like nah dad now's the best time for rock with <laughs> lcd sound system and modern baseball <laughs> I think maybe like the music is a big part of why uh, Jason Bateman's character liked Juno so much. Yeah. Cause I think he, I think he uh, loved the idea. Cause you know, like older people love to be like, my era was the best. Like you can know anything about music, but like, she's a kid who's like, yeah, like, like the older stuff is Your the best. Your music was not badass. That, yeah. Yeah. Like not that uh, kids don't like classic rock because they do but i mean maybe he didn't see it that way and he uh this young who like knows this much about music he kind of maybe romanticized that idea yeah like he liked the idea of talking to someone so young knows so much about classic rock yeah juno was the only teenager he was hanging out with though so (laughs) yeah no yeah that's why like i mean he was (laughs) I know, but I'm saying he probably assumed that no one else does. Yeah. No, no, you're right. I'm making a joke. No, he's just like always in behind the school, the like hanging out. Um, yeah, you know, selling cigarettes to kids. Like that, that was the type of guy he was. In between writing razor jingles. 
Um, For sure. It's a dynamic character. <laughs> um, I'm trying to see what else is on the soundtrack. If they were... Um, it's funny. There weren't any, like, super... I think the only real defining music moment... Well, there's two. I think throughout, I think the biggest moment is when she plays Mott the Hoople, all the young dudes, because it really sort of, like, narrates that scene, I feel. Kimya Dawson is used to sort of, like, set the mood and set the tone, and, like, her music is sort of used throughout as, like, sort of a sense of normalcy. Because, like, even though I like Kimya Dawson and Moldy Peaches, Mm -hmm. a lot of it is sort of, like, it all kind of feels the same. Yeah. And then when you get to, like, the all the young dudes moment and he's playing Mott, and she's playing Mott the Hoople and, like, they're dancing, that is sort of, like, a stark contrast. And I really... Yeah, I mean, Kimya Dawson's stuff is, I guess it's uh, a little more, um, like a background type of mood setter. And I guess Mott the Hoople is, like, better for that scene and it feels right. like a bigger scene contrast to when just Kimia Dawson was playing. Right. But then the other one is at the end when they cover Anyone Else But You by The Moldy Peaches, another Kimia Dawson song. Because I do, yeah. I do think that's, like, the super memorable... I think that's a thing that a lot of, like... I know when I was 13, that was a thing I really took away from the movie was... You know, having just gotten acoustic guitar, I was like, oh, I'm going to learn how to play that Anyone Else But You song. Um, yeah, and a lot of people did. Everyone who, like, owned a guitar meant <laughs> to learn that song. Um, I, remember, I remember learning to play it in, like, ninth grade in high school, and then a year later, like, playing it for my first, like, serious girlfriend, and she was like, I hate that song, I can't fucking stand it. And uh, that should have been a big red flag. Yeah, but so many people hate that song, and they hate the Moldy Peaches, but I can't, I can't hate the Moldy Peaches. But it's not I for everyone, I guess. I can't. I can see why a lot of people hate the Moldy Peaches, though. I've kind of, like, grown... Me too. I do. With any band I like, I have to, like... There are very few bands that I like now that I I can sort of just be like, how do you hate this? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's true. Like, I I do... I get why people don't care for them, but I have I have such a like nostalgic attachment <laughs> to the Moldy Peaches because me and my me and my weird little group friends after school would like like loiter around a park and just record ourselves singing that those songs <laughs> and then like it like rap like on the fly. We were like really lame. <laughs> Wait, have a but that that's life. just like the kind of thing. I, I had a friend who would just like rap. Oh. <laughs> we would just it, it was it was great um we were, we were a, a dorky little crew and we loved that moldy peaches album not the kimmy dawson album the moldy peaches album. Um, um, well they only ever put out featuring that right? song and lucky yeah yeah <laughs> they, they only put, put they out put one, out one and then i think a like unreleased collection years later I think the what 
I think there's a, I think kind of recently there was a collection of like unreleased songs they put out. Sorry, what? I, you kind cut of, out again. Uh, kind of recently they put out uh, a collection of like unreleased songs. Oh. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I should look into that. Um, found that while reading Meet Me in the Bathroom. <laughs> um, but um, I think Moldy Peaches really fits for that just because like even reading about like when they started in like the nineties, it was it, um Kimya Dawson and Adam Green really kind of seem like Juno and um bleaker types <laughs> where like they, just they sort kind of like of going do. over to each other's houses and like just sort of like goofing around making music and like Singing. Yeah, just jamming. Yeah. Like they weren't they a lot of Moldy Peaches songs sound like they wrote them um as they were saying them. <laughs> like uh like the um like Jorge Regula, I'm convinced they just like hit record and just said <laughs> words. Like I I am so sure they did not plan that song at all. Um but the, but I like that. Like it's <laughs> that's why I enjoy these songs because they're like so easy and so quotable. Yeah. But um, but yeah, they just seem like like two buddies uh, jamming. Yeah. And as far as I know, Adam Green and Kimya Dawson were never romantically involved. But um, I think they seem like people who like maybe made out once and then, <laughs> and then just that's it. So I don't know if I'm mixing up the narratives just from the book, um, but I mm-hmm. think it was. Uh, I think, like, Adam Green is, like, a decent number of years younger than Kimya Dawson. Um, And I think at one point in the book, she is like, yo, he had the biggest crush on me. Oh, I love that idea. Um, (laughs) That's really But, yeah. (laughs) What? Um, Oh, they're not that much. They're not that big of a difference. He's 36 and she's 45. Okay. All right. It's a bit of a difference. She's 45, um, you said? She's uh, 40. Yeah. As of, okay, as yeah. of now, yeah. so, Adam Green is 36. So there's okay. there's a bit of a difference, but it's not like a crazy difference. Right. But I, I'm pretty sure that was the thing in the book where she was like, yeah, like, I would be home for summer and he'd be working at the record store and he was super into me. Um, That's so cute. Yeah. And like, (laughs) I mean, is that not the reason anyone ever forms a band is to try to make people fall in love with you? Yeah. Yeah. Why why else would you? I know that's why I started playing guitar. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people start um, but yeah I mean um, the moldy that's why I think yeah I think that's why the moldy peaches fit so well because they're just such a casual band and Juno and Polly are such casual yeah. people and they're so casual about everything every crazy thing that happens in this even movie. when they ended up like, like, like... Kind of fits. 
Say that again. No, what were you saying? Oh, I was going to say, even when they get together at the very end, you know, there's, like, the one scene of them, like, cuddling, but then, like, she goes over to his house and they just, like, play guitar, kiss. Like, it's just, like, a peck, right? It's, it's like, sweet. I I always got the sense that they were, like, just friends that hooked up once. I mean, I know they're supposed to have been, what, were they dating or, I don't know, but... Like, I got the idea based on their relationship in the movie that they were just buddies. Like, that's yeah. just the, the vibe that I got. Yeah. And I think that's how it should have ended, but we already talked about yeah. that. <laughs> um, what else was Sorry. Um, yeah. I just saw there's, like, a sequel soundtrack to Juno. A sequel soundtrack. Or like... I don't even know what that's supposed to be. That's weird. Um, If you click on the soundtrack... Oh, wait, hold on. Here it is. Second soundtrack was released exclusively through the iTunes store called Juno B-Sides Almost Adopted Songs. Contained songs that were originally slated for the film, including a version of the 20th Century Fox fanfare by Kimya Dawson and Matteo Messina, originally planned to be used before the Simpsons beat them to it. Um, And there's more Kimya Dawson songs. There's a Yola Tango song. More Bell and Sebastian, more Buddy Holly. Yeah, Yola Tango, that that would make sense in, in this movie, too. Yeah. Sets the mood. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's one of those things. Could try to guess where these would have gone or what the scenes would have been like. But Yeah, I mean, the the movie's not... How long is... I think it's only like an hour know? and a half. Maybe um, hour oh, it's, 40. Yeah, it's, it's really not long. Like, I imagine uh, there are a lot of... You know, in New squeeze in there if they wanted to but uh, there's a lot of like indie rock songs they could have like squeezed in there uh, that would have fit just fine with the narrative Um, and like folky music but um, it's it's like a very short little movie yeah and like it doesn't have any scenes that really like drag on or anything which is nice it's... No, I mean, every, like, Diablo, it's interesting, because Diablo Cody writes this with, like, a t- like, even just naming a kid Liberty Bell, like, having nothing to do with the plot, she just, like, shoves in a ton of detail that doesn't necessarily forward any narrative, but um, it's it doesn't make the movie longer. It just makes the movie have more words <laughs> and more detail and more dialogue, but they, they go through it very fast. I'm trying to see what else Diablo Cody has written because I don't know. Jennifer's Body. Oh, I've seen that. I don't remember. Diablo Cody wrote Jennifer's Body. I love Jennifer's Body. I don't care. Wasn't that on your underrated <laughs> horror movies we'll list? about it. I think it's great. Um, was it? It might. Yeah, I might have mentioned it because I will defend that movie until I die. I love Jennifer's Body. 
but people people hated it because they don't like the little Junoisms. Like they don't. I. They don't uh, like that they say uh, kind of kooky things to each other, and the dialogue's a little bit more like weird. But I I love it. I don't remember it at all. Um, I watched it with the girlfriend that hated the Moldy Peaches song. Oh, no. <laughs> I remember that. Um, I remember the Panic at the Disco song in it. In Jennifer's Body? Or maybe it was in the credits or something or on the soundtrack. Oh, that I don't remember. <laughs> it's a good one that they never play live, but new perspective. No. The music video has, like, the actors in it, I think, or, like, interspersed with shots of the movie um yeah i haven't seen uh, i get i've seen jennifer's body but that's it Jen, i don't remember who played the band in jennifer's body it was like a real band maybe it was panic I at think. the disco was it huh uh, oh hole hole was no it? Hold on. Was it Hole who was in it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's that's another the ending sequence. The ending sequence of what? the film features a song Violet from the album Live Through This by Hole. I don't know. Was that was, was Hole the band in it? I have no idea. Like the, oh, I don't know. Because <laughs> I remember them saying they used like a real band to play the band that sacrificed her to the devil. I don't know. I'll figure this out later. <laughs> uh, I'll end up Googling it. Oh, there's a Haley. I'm going to fall down another hole. Soundtrack is awesome, though. There's like yeah. Haley Williams solo song, some Florence on the Machine, Dashboard yeah. National, All Time Low. Black Kids, most underrated band of the 2000s. I guess uh, Diablo Cody had this uh, taste in music. <laughs> I guess, probably. Um, but yeah, okay, cool. I'm going to look that up <laughs> later. We'll see if I can find Jennifer's body somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Uh do we have anything else to say about Juno? About Juno? Um, hmm. I mean, all in all, I really like this movie. Like, I think it holds up. Yeah. And I think people are maybe unfair to it. I mean, I understand why people don't love it, but I, I think it's a solid, funny movie with really well-developed characters who are, like, a little more complicated than than people give them credit for. Yeah. With a good soundtrack. Well, Juno was... It's my overall this movie. It was nominated for an Oscar, right? An Oscar? It was... Oh, yeah. It, yeah. I, I what, scrolled up to the accolades page. Um, it actually won right. Best it Screenplay. It was nominated for Best Screenplay. One Best Screenplay. That's kind of funny, because the... Because a lot of it won. It won best screenplay. Oh, thought... Was also nominated for best picture, director, and oh. best actress. <laughs> what were you gonna say? Really? <laughs> no. 
I was shocked because I remember people hating the screenplay of this movie, like thinking that it was so like trite. And well, I, I don't, I don't agree, but that it got nominated. I mean, I guess I wasn't an Oscar watcher in two thousand seven. <laughs> I remember um, related to that when I was when I first saw it, I was I was in a blockbuster. That wasn't where I first saw it, but um, I remember being in Blockbuster and hearing the uh, people that worked there talking about Juno and the one guy saying, like, yeah, you know, it was kind of cool, um, but it was all, like, in this made-up language that I didn't really understand. And I, it, is, it is in kind of a made-up language. Yeah, but it wasn't, like, one of the... I got... I understood it, and, like, I kind of understood how, like she was coming up with the things she was saying. Um, yeah. I, she has a way with words. Like I didn't, yeah. I don't know. Like, I think it was just kind of a, an artistic choice. I wouldn't, I don't know. I mean, it was, it wasn't like Latin. Like it wasn't right, that yeah. uh, difficult to decipher. And I, um, but yeah, is a very specific way of speaking, I guess. Yeah. And I remember at first, when I first heard that, thinking, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't watch that because it's in a language that no one would understand. But <laughs> it's, it's in German. I think that's what someone told you. That's kind of what I thought. I was young and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Sam with juvenile delinquent wrecks 